0: All right. Everybody hear me okay? Good. How's everybody doing today? Everybody fired up? The school is, uh, we'll be back in session for a lot of your kids. Amen. That's 700,001. We're adding that amen there. So, (laughs) (laughs) Natalie is so fired up. Natalie, you know you're excited. You know you are. Hey, today and next week, last Sunday for anger management. Are y'all ready to graduate? Ready for the caps and gowns? We'll start over with week one again. Okay, we'll start over. We need a second. Anger management part two. The son of anger management. (laughs) Anger management strikes back. (laughs) Anger management, the Clone Wars. (laughs) Return of the anger, (laughs) the angered. (laughs) Oh man, okay. Okay, I'm making Scott angry. Hey, I want to do this. Turn over to, book, to the book of James. If you've got your study, uh, we are on page 7. <clears throat> and I'm looking for the, bur- the birthday boy. Did he take off from church today, Elisa? He's coming. Okay. You need to wish David Bernard a happy birthday. Today, today's his birthday, right? Technically. He's the big 4-0, so <clears throat> if you can, you know, go next door to Fred's and get like some Geritol tablets, you know, and just really encourage him, make him feel good about himself. And uh, so congratulations, Elisa, for a job well done. It's hard to, yeah, surprise birthday party she gave for him. And, you know, my, my wife, you know, you ha- I discovered you have to lie if you're going to plan a surprise birthday party. There's no way around it. You just have to ask God for forgiveness. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I threw Kim a, a surprise birthday party last year. I'm trying to remember how old she was at that birthday party, but it's. She, she's not in here, so I can say she's, she's 40. But uh, she, <laughs> she threw one for me a number of years ago, and this was when she was pregnant with Nathan. I'm at home minding my own business, sitting on the couch at her house, watching a movie. She supposedly was up at the Bartlett campus at a women's ministry event, and she was, uh, let's see, at that point, she was like, she had like two weeks to go before she going to give birth to Nathan. So I get this phone call, on my birthday, you would think I would put it together. It's my birthday. She's telling me she's in labor. I'll oh, come on. I'm not buying that. But I'm 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 at I'm at the house watching a movie on the couch, and she calls me, and she's like, "Yeah, there she is, right there." <laughs> in the nick of time, you got to get up here. I'm up at church, and it's time. It's time to go to Baptist East. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And so, rushing the door, and it's a surprise birthday party. So I I, I could tell Dave was very surprised but wish him happy birthday today when you see him for sure so hey we're in the book of james this week and next week will be our last two weeks to to go through our anger management bible study probably a lot of you're like praise god i'm tired of feeling guilty every time i open up the bible because i'm failing at this probably a lot of us are making f's at this uh me included but but no you know uh god's word is meant to transform us from the inside out and uh you know, there's some things in the scripture that talk about immediate change. You know, when God makes you a Christian, that's an immediate change. The Bible says, boom, all of a sudden you're a new creation, you know, and uh, we're different. We have a different nature. But there's a lot of things that the Bible says, particularly with our spiritual growth, our maturity, that takes time. It takes a lifetime. You know, even Paul says, I have not attained to this yet, you know, and that he's He's still working on it, and the Lord is still growing him. And so there's there's one of these things that <clears throat> I think we, as believers, we shouldn't get lazy, but we should also, it's okay to be patient with yourself, okay? Don't come down too hard on yourself because you're still, a, we're all a work in progress. And there was, uh, this, the last song, day that you sang, I'm, Curtis, I'm not sure if, uh, if you can put the words back up there to the wondrous cross, but there was a... A passage that just kind of hit me between the eyes. Uh, God bids, bids me to, to die, to come and die. Curtis, could you put that back up there if you get just a second? Uh, let's see how fast Curtis can respond to this test. He's almost there. There we go. All right. I want you to think about this for a minute. Bids, God bids me to come and die and find that I may truly live. What in the world is that talking about? Why would God bid me to come and die? At the cross, what's that talking about? Die to self. What does that mean? Okay, it's not all about me. What else would that mean? To die to self, your old ways. Has there ever been anything maybe in your life where you've just said, "You know what? I got to let this go. I got to let go of this." Maybe it's a, it's something that's in the in the way of your relationship with God, or maybe it's something that God has put on your heart and says, "I want you to do this," and you're reluctant, and you say, "No, I'm not going to do that, God." Maybe you don't say that out loud, but maybe in your heart you've said it for a number of years. And then finally, you have to let that go. Maybe it's a certain sin that you're doing that you have to to let go of. Or maybe it's just something good that you're not doing that God has kind of called you to. And you say, okay, God, it's not about me. It's about you. It's not about my ways. It's about your ways. It's not about my goals in life. It's about your goals in life. And the whole process of it, just I got to die in who I am so that Jesus can make me like him. That kind of thing. Does that make sense? And I think so much of what we're studying, so much of the Christian life is about that. Do you remember John the Baptist said something like that in the Scriptures that's very reminiscent of that. Do you remember what he said? Yeah. Yeah, I must decrease. He must increase. In other words, it didn't have a thing to do with with me. In one sense you could say... Um, you know, the words self-control are in the Bible. The Bible talks a whole lot about the fact that it's our responsibility. I don't know why this fly won't leave me alone. To, uh, to control our anger, to manage our anger. But, but in a very real sense, it's all about me dying to self and emptying myself so that Jesus will fill me up and he's the one living through me. Not me, but Jesus is living through me. But I have to die to myself first, you know, and that kind of picture. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my life where I uh, feel like on a daily basis I'm called to do that, to die to myself and to forget, wait a minute, what am I thinking? It's not about me. It's not about what's in it for me today or tonight or this evening. It's about what's in it for everybody else. And it's about following the Lord and, and, and that there's this, this process of just giving in to God. And, and you know, the, you know, the, the song, the, it's an old school song, but I surrender all. That's one of those old hymns, but I love that one because it's this picture of, all right, Lord, I give up. I give up. You win, and you've conquered me, you know, and and I like that. You know, I like that aspect, and so much of what we're reading, I think if you read a lot of this stuff, and you're thinking, you know, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm not, you know, this verse we're going to talk about today, I'm not very quick to listen. You know, those are aspects of our life that we've got to give over to God and allow Him to uh, uh, to take over. So anyway, we're in the book of James this morning. I wanted to mention that because I love that. That's one of those things, sometimes you get these moments, maybe you're listening to Christian radio, a song, and something just, boom, and hits you right between the eyes. Or maybe uh, you, know, you, you sing a song or whatever, and uh, I hope you, I'm sure you probably have those moments, or maybe even in your Bible study. Uh, look at the book of James. <clears throat> and let me ask this question. What have you What have you learned over the past six to eight weeks as we've been talking about anger management? Uh, What have you learned? Maybe what have you discovered? Uh, Anybody want to share anything about this topic in your life? Don't share what your spouse needs to learn or anything like that. (laughs) Don't do that (laughs) because if Kim does that, we'll be here all day. Okay? But anything you personally may have learned about this whole topic of anger. Say that a little bit louder for you, back row Baptists. Us Presbyterians in the front can't hear you. (laughs) It's a hard emotion to try to control. Okay. Got a lot to learn, okay. all right. How would you compare anger management? Anger management is like this. I was thinking about this today, uh, this morning. Anger management is like walking a tightrope. I've never done that before, but I'm sure it takes a lot of concentration, a lot of balance. You have to really concentrate. And and so, uh, all right, you get the most angry when you're selfish. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Samantha, all right. Have to focus on it, keep working on it. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of have to, you have to crawl before you can walk, right? You don't just jump all the way to the end and be an expert on it, you know. You just can't do that, so. um, How many of you have girls in your home? Children, okay. what does the, the word drama queen mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means Audrey, okay. <laughs> your granddaughters make you a drama queen, okay. That was going to be my point, is I've discovered in our household, we have drama kings in our household, you know? Because you, you, know, you watch your kids uh, and how they deal with anger and controlling it, and you're thinking, okay, you know, if, if mom and dad, if Kim and I don't learn to to manage our anger and our emotions than our boys won't. And really, we, we've laughed over the years that that we are teaching our boys how to argue, okay? And when I say argue, I don't mean screaming and shouting. My definition of arguing is healthy debate within a relationship. That's what I mean by arguing, uh, not the yelling, shouting, cursing, throwing things, uh, kicking things, stuff like that. But whether I, whether we like it or not, as couples, as Parents, grandparents, we are teaching our kids, our grandkids, how to argue. The question is, is are we teaching them a healthy way to resolve conflict, you know? And we've always tried, if possible, to argue or to resolve conflict in front of our kids to where they can see that, to where they, you know, to where they can learn that in an early age, that you can do that and you can get to the other side. But I was thinking about that today, that, man, we've got... In our our household, we've got uh, a 13-year-old, about to be uh, 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And it's just, at times, if you can sit back and watch, it's, I wish it was funny. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's not. Most of the time, it's frustrating, you know, when you're trying to break up an argument with your kids. So... But uh, anyway, hey, let's do this. Let's look at the book of James, and let's look at James chapter 1 and beginning in verses uh, 18 and 19. And let's do this. As we open up the Word of God, let's pray together. Ask God to open up our hearts and minds. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time this morning at uh, your church, God, and that that's us, Lord. Uh, And how grateful that uh, we are, Lord, that we are your bride, that you have... uh, Lord, that you've saved us uh, as helpless as we were, that you have changed us and you have transformed us into your image and God. Uh, but we, we still have got a long ways to go. And Lord, we're so grateful for your patience in our lives that, uh, that you want us to be more like you. And so, Lord, you've given us your word just to change us, God, that any time that we want to listen to you, we simply open up this book and we listen to what you have to say to us. And Lord, it's here to to remind us how much you love us. It's here to to tell us your story. It's here to tell us about you. It's uh here to to guide us, guide into a closer relationship with you. And so Lord, as we're on this topic of of being, you know, controlling our anger, God, of helping us to to become better listeners. Uh and that how valuable this should be to us in all of our relationships. Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and and that the reality would be we can do nothing without you. And so God, thank you for your word. Lord, help it help us that it would change us uh this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, hey, James chapter 1, you know, we spent goodness. How many weeks in James chapter 3? Three? 3 or 4 weeks dealing with old we'll test you remember the three images that we were given in James chapter 3 anger is like fire the bridle huh and the rudder there you go you got a good memory all right now we're going to back up to James chapter 1 and let's look at verse 19 of James chapter 1 <clears throat> and James says this you know my beloved brethren but let everyone be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger "...for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls, but prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at the natural face in a mirror... For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man may be blessed in what he does. You know, and maybe we would look at that last phrase and say, man, that's what I want to be like. I want to be blessed in everything that I do. I want to please God, you know, and... uh, be a God pleaser, not necessarily a people pleaser. So let's back up to verse 19 and let's look at this one verse. And you know, I tell you what, if there's, if there's one verse that maybe summarizes a lot of what we're praying for, maybe it's James chapter one, verse 19. Let's read it again. We're gonna break this one down part by part. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be, what's the first statement? Quick to listen or quick to hear. What's the second one? Slow to speak. And the third one, slow to anger. That's all All three of those. Those are pretty easy to do, right? That's a challenge right there, isn't it? All right, let's look at the first one. The first phrase says, but let everyone be quick to hear. All right, now think about that. Or quick to listen. Are people typically good listeners? What's the problem with that? Why? We're involved in ourselves. We're not quick to listen. We are what? Slow to listen, are we not? We do. Why do we want to do that? All right. Be a conversation hog. Have you ever had that situation before where this other person, I cannot get a word in at all? You know, have you ever had that challenge? You're trying to squeak a little bit of yourself into the conversation. And, uh, or have you ever found yourself in that position? I, you're going to listen to me. I'm going to be heard right now, you know, and uh, we don't want to, to listen. Uh, Why why do we, why are we slow to listen? What are some things that that keep us, I don't want to say they keep us, but they keep us from listening? What would be some common cop-out excuses for not being a good listener? Yeah, Doug. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. We view it as a courtroom plotting my next move. Almost like chess, you know. Okay, in a hurry. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it possible for a man to listen while he has a remote control in his hand? Yes, <laughs> yes it is. No. <laughs> <coughs> have you ever been in a situation like that where you are talking, and let's say it's a couple, and it doesn't have to be that, the guy, that the, it's the girl that's talking and the guy is not listening, although we have to admit that maybe most of the time that is a situation, but where the other person is making certain sounds to try to convince the talker that he is listening. Uh-huh, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we done that? I mean, so many, so many different times about uh, that. Uh, when are, okay, if you know that you're, if, if you think that you're not being listened to, how does that make you feel? So now we're back to the, the whole problem we started out with. So could that, could, is it possible that being a good listener can help to extinguish anger? How does that, okay, let me, let me, we'll just keep going with this. How does it make you feel when you, you, are concerned that you're not being listened to? Okay. You know, we were eating lunch yesterday and uh, I was talking, we were sitting down at the table together for lunch. And so I asked this question to the kids. I wanted to ask them that. And one of my sons Said, I said, has this ever happened to you when you're trying to share something that that is of value to you and you feel like nobody is listening to you? I said, how does that make you feel? And one of my sons said, it makes me feel like what I'm feeling is not important and that I'm not important. And I said, what do you do with that? He said, well, I'll go find someone else that will listen. And, but the problem is a lot of times for a lot of us, if we feel like we're not being listened to and we feel that way that, well, they're not listening to me because what I have to say is not important, then the problem would be if I don't go to someone else that will hear me. Then I just close up. And then, I you know, it's this whole thing of, you may want to write this word down. It's a bad word. Invalidation. What is invalidation? Or how do we, how are, what are some ways that we invalidate one another? And invalidation is basically saying you're not valid. Or when, we, when we're not good listeners, we're invalidating the other person because we're saying what you, what you have to say is really not that important to me right now, so I'm not going to listen to you. I may pretend like I'm listening, but I'm really not. How many times have you done this? Okay, here's another one of those things. Where you're hearing someone speak, but you're not really paying attention. You ever had that happen before? Where and why why do we often do that? Why would that be the case at certain times? Wh- distraction all right? all right, Have something else on our mind. You know here's something that that at times that I have to admit that I do to Kim, which is wrong. We'll be talking and having a conversation, and, and she's talking, and even though I know I can hear her and I can concentrate, I'm, uh, this sounds really bad. I may walk out of the room and go into another room into the hallway and, and she's like. Where did? Where are you? You know, and I'm like, I'm right here. Can yeah, I can still hear you. And she's like, No, get back in the room. And I'm like, Okay, okay, I'm sorry, but I can hear you, and I was paying attention. Maybe. <laughs> I really was. But that that's one of the things. If I want to communicate to her, how can I let her know that I'm really listening? And by leaving the room, that is a way that I can tell that wh- whether I'm listening to her or not, she doesn't think that I am, and she's going to shut down. Whereas, <clears throat> to be honest with you, if I may not be like that. If she leaves the room and she's telling me I'm listening to you, for me, I'm I'm probably okay with that. But she's not, and so what I need to do? I need to make sure that I'm in that same room with her. That's real important. Eye contact. What what are some things that are important to you? How do you know when somebody is really listening to what you have to say? What convinces you? When they stop and what? Okay, yeah. Then you know it's not a a pre-planned comment. All right, ready to go with my counterpoint. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. If they ask them. Okay. Okay. If they're interested. Yeah, John. All right. Okay. Gotcha. You know, there's, there's really different levels of listening, too. I can listen with my mind and hear those words, but am I really listening with my heart? Am I really trying to understand what that other person is saying first? Is that my number one priority, or is it just for me to talk? You know, and a lot of times it's for us to talk. Let's go look at that verse again. It says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. So what is the priority in this verse? It's listening first. Why is that so hard for us? Yeah, we struggle with that. And, uh, but yet it, it is so important. Uh, here's a good question. When is your listening at its best in a conversation? Can you, There are certain types of situations when your listening is at its best. Yeah. When Linda said, when it's something that I'm interested in. Give you, give you an, can you think of an example? I'll give you one that I thought of yesterday. When you're listening, is that it's best? Yeah, Natalie? You're listening, yeah, okay. When, somebody, when I hear, hey, somebody said something bad about Scott, that's when I really, you know. <laughs> how about when you're lost and looking for directions or asking for directions? Man, you think about how your listening skills are, okay, you know, all right turn right here, okay, go down, and it's just like, man. i tell you the story about the guys who asked for directions, and the person gave them four right turns. Did I tell you all about that? You know, we went to, uh, this happened to uh, Ronnie Robbins and, Kurt- and uh, Curtis a couple of years ago. We were on a, on a summer trip to Natchez Trace State Park, and Natchez Trace State Park is in Lexington, Tennessee, and uh, about 10 or 15 years ago, there was actually a golf course, a small golf course near there and on this particular trip it was probably five, six years ago and some of the old signs for the golf course were still up even though the golf course had been shut down for years. So these two guys had, uh, it's kind of a lake trip where you go and you get out on the boat and water skiing tube. I don't know why they had brought their golf clubs, but, but they had them there and they said, hey let's go find this golf course. And so this lady gives them directions and she gives them four right turns and if you think about that, that is a full circle or square And so they took the the full four right turns, and they ended up passing the same lady that gave them directions right back where they started. So, probably so. But but anyway, you know we're very intent on listening when when we're looking for uh, directions or when we're wanting to receive instructions on maybe how to put together something or or whatever. Uh, But you know you think, and Elisa, you were talking about being selfish how uh, really the goal here is to listen and my number one priority is what this other person has to say. That's the goal here. And uh, so anyway, okay, how about this? So we talked about uh, how do you know when someone is listening to you? And a couple of you said eye contact. How many of y'all is that is is that real important to you, the eye contact? Okay, that's real important for me uh, because uh And it's important for me, if I'm listening, to make sure that I do that because I can get uh, distracted uh, real easy. Here's another thing that you may want to do. Kim kind of alluded to this. It's this thing I heard a couple years ago called reflective listening, all right? And here's the thing. How many of you have uh, recently gone through a drive-thru, like at this McDonald's up here? Any any of you gone through a drive-thru window somewhere? What do they do? You, you pull up, and this is what you hear. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Would you like to have one? And what, and what you do is you give them your order. All right, I like to have a Big Mac, large fries, and a Coke. And then what do they say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with that shake. Yeah, you want to supersize that. And, but they repeat it back to you to make sure. Why do they repeat it back to you? Make sure that you got the order right, and then you confirm that. Now, how can that be useful You know, the McDonald's drive through experience. How can that be useful in conversation? Yeah. So it's not just listening. Is there not a part of this? This listening is also understanding. That's a part of the heart. I can listen with my mind and understand what was said. But when I listen with my heart, I understand what the person's going through. I can sympathize with what they're going through. And does that not diffuse this whole anger issue? has the potential in conflict to diffuse it or to extinguish it. That's what we're going to close with next week is what are some things that we can do to extinguish the other person's anger? I can either pour fuel on it or I can pour water on it. And one of the ways is to actually listen. How many times have you ever been in this situation? All right, this, this was Kim and I were talking, Kim and I were having a conversation. Uh, this was probably six or seven years ago. Kim was sharing a problem with me, and what was I trying to do nonstop? I was trying to, were y'all there or something? Did she tell you this story? You, 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 you've heard about it. This is story number five. Scott said, Yeah, this is number five. Okay, I've heard. Kim told you about it. Okay. <laughs> that was the last argument we had. This is gonna be number seven right here, baby. <laughs> But no, I'll be honest with you, I was not listening. I was trying to fix, I was was trying to help her, but you know, but I was not helping her the way she needed me to help her. I was trying to fix the problem, and guess what? She did not need for me to fix the problem. She needed for me to listen and understand. And to be honest with you, I discovered that that actually fixed the problem was me listening and understanding what she had to say at the end of the conversation, she went through all this, and I said, "Well, do, you know do you need my opinion? Because sometimes we just feel like my opinion, you need to hear my opinion. it's going to fix everything it's going to make the, the sun come out and the skies and the clouds go what? you know and everybody needs to hear my opinion. you know she didn't need to hear that. She said, "No, thank you I'm fine with it now." And I was like, Ugh. I was frustrated." <laughs> Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to throw my two cents in, you know. <laughs> but that that taught me something as a husband and as a person this whole verse of Scripture when it says quick to listen, that's the heart of what this is talking about is listening and understanding. But not only that, but anger is a part of this too. This is a part of resolving the conflict. If I have the ability to listen and to understand the other person's perspective first, even if they're mad at me, that's when it gets the hardest. I'm mad at you. I'm upset with you. Look, anger is a part of this. It says this in the next verse. But if we can sit there and listen and kind of take it for a couple of minutes. Just get it out of your system and listen, understand, and then that helps the whole process. It really does. And I learned a whole lot. Now, that night when Kim was sharing this with me, she wasn't angry at me. Uh, she was bothered by something, but the whole process of that was just listening and understanding and uh, being quick to listen. All right, let's, uh, let's read a little bit further, and uh, we'll go on. Slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I want you to look at the contrast in verse 20. Verse 20, there's a contrast. There's two things. It's almost like two forces battling one another. One of them is the righteousness of God. And the exact opposite is the anger of mankind. Now, if I want to diffuse that, the the two keys that we're given there are simply being quick to listen and slow to speak. That would it be true... That if I'm able to do those things, then the anger is being managed. Would that be a key to anger, manage and self, anger management and self-control? Is learning to master those two things. You know, I, I think so. I'm, I'm convinced in that. Uh, let's do this. Let's read on a little bit further and we'll be done. Verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness... In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You know, most of the time when we talk about this verse in James, and it's talking about being a doer of the word, how do we usually apply that? Huh? Obeying rules. Anybody else? Works. Most of the time when I think of this passage and being a doer of the Word, I typically think of somebody that is doing something. They're, They're cleaning, they're serving with their hands, and obviously that is. But in context here, a doer of the Word is what? Yeah, being obedient to the Word and someone who has learned to be slow to speak and quick to listen. That's in context is, is this person that is a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. They, they've learned to take the word in, the word of God, and that changing their lives and, and helping them with this issue. So hey, we're going to close with this. And hey, something, you know, something simple this week. Just say maybe, God, this week, help me to be a better listener. Because if I'm a better listener, I'm going to be much slower to speak, right? So I don't have to worry about two things. If I can just learn to be a better listener that will automatically make me slow to speak, you know? It's a way of simplifying it, so so let's do that. All right, let's pray, you guys, and uh, see you next week. Next week is the last week of anger management. We're going to do about three or four weeks on the history of Israel and Jerusalem, and then we're going to roll right into this question of what is God like and spend a number of weeks uh, with uh, the nature of God. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord. Lord, just for your awesome love for us in that, uh, Lord, you don't just brush us aside and, and, and just say in our lives, uh, just good luck. Lord, you're active in our lives and it's your desire to make us more like you. Lord, this week, help us to be better listeners of others. We just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.